0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, June 10th, 2018, on the basis of Mark 2, verse 23 through 3, verse 6. If life seems way too busy, there might actually be a reason for that. Some of you might remember back in March of 2011, there was this massive 9.0 magnitude earthquake that struck just off the coast of Japan. And in addition to the billions of dollars worth of damage that it caused and the tens of thousands of lives that it claimed, that powerful earthquake actually altered the shape of planet Earth. And much like a spinning figure skater whose speed is determined by how far or how close she holds her arms to her body, that earthquake altered the shape of planet Earth just enough that it caused the Earth to start rotating just a tiny bit faster, causing the length of a day on planet Earth to get just a little bit shorter. Now, don't worry, when that earthquake hit, we didn't start measuring time any differently than we did before. And even if we did, the amount that a full rotation of planet Earth was shortened was was only by 1.8% microseconds, which means that it would take 130 million years to lose one day's worth of time. But if even the thought of days getting shorter, time getting less, gives you a a little bit of uneasiness, maybe it sort of indicates how hard it is to come by. The thing that these verses from Mark talk about, this thing that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us about today, this thing called rest. Now as we talk about rest today, we're not talking about making sure that you get eight hours of sleep each night, although that might be related. We're not talking about being able to spend time with your family without being glued to your smartphone the whole time. We're not talking about being able to take a vacation without constantly checking your inbox, though those things too might be related. No, the rest we're talking about today is much bigger than that. It's the ability at any given moment, whether your nose is to the grindstone or whether your feet are up on the couch, to be filled with a very deep and lasting sense of satisfaction and contentment. It's being able to scan over the entire breadth of who you are and and what your life is like and, and be able to put one big giant stamp of approval over the entire thing. This isn't physical rest primarily that we're talking about today, though again, it might be related. No, more than that, we're talking about Spiritual rest, we're talking about rest for our souls. And as we'll see today, this is a rest that by nature all people are are trying to find. This is a rest that people will go to great lengths in pursuit of. But as we look at these verses from Mark today, we're going to see that this is a kind of rest that can only be found in Jesus. In fact, we'll hear Jesus refer to himself as the Lord of this kind of rest. Now, unfortunately, People, including us, go looking for this kind of rest for our souls in all the wrong places. And the Pharisees that we meet in these verses are a perfect example of that. The Pharisees were very influential religious leaders in Jesus' day who thought that this kind of rest could be won through work. Namely, through obedience to God's laws. They thought that if they just worked hard enough at obeying God's law, eventually they would get to the point where they would find Rest, where they could, they could look at their life and say that the job was complete, that the work was done. They could put a stamp of approval over the entire thing. But in this example of the Pharisees, we see a very important principle that, that if you think, if you come to the conclusion that rest can be found through work, you will inevitably become enslaved to that work. Like I said, we see that perfectly in the example of the Pharisees this morning. You see, Jesus had, or God had given his people this very important command that related to a Sabbath day, a day of rest. God said, you're allowed to work for six days, Sunday through Friday, but on the seventh day of the week, on Saturday, you are supposed to take a, a Sabbath day, a day of rest. Well, the Pharisees were so enslaved by their work, by their striving to obey God's law, that they took this day of rest and they turned even that into a day of work. It was one more opportunity to flaunt their perfect obedience to God's law, often by being quick to point out the shortcomings of others. We see that twice in these verses. In the first instance, they criticized Jesus' disciples for walking through a grain field on the Sabbath, picking heads of grain for food. In the second instance, they criticized Jesus himself at even the thought that he would take this man who had a crippled hand and heal him On the Sabbath. So, hungry people getting basic sustenance and a crippled man having his hand healed. These are the things that drew the ire of the Pharisees. This is how consumed, how controlled, how enslaved they were by their work. They thought that was how they could find rest. Once you're convinced that rest comes through work, you will inevitably become enslaved to that work. Now, you might be tempted to think that none of what's going on in these verses sounds like anything remotely close to anything that's going on in your life, but believe it or not, the principle still holds true today. That if we look for our rest through work, we will inevitably become enslaved to that work. And here's how that goes. It seems at my house these days, there is always the soundtrack to one of the kids' favorite movies blaring at full volume at all times. And And right now in our house, that's very often the soundtrack to the movie, The Greatest Showman. In that movie, there is a song that is entitled, Never Enough. And I wanted to show you some of the lyrics. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. I don't know if this was the intent of the composer of that song, but it perfectly captures the life that we will inevitably have if we become convinced that rest can be found through work. No matter what we do, no matter how much we do, it will never be enough. Consider the fact that because of things like Google and smartphones, already in this point in your life, you may have produced, you may have done more than your parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents combined. Consider the fact that you enjoy a standard of living, that that we take for granted luxuries that people living in other centuries would have never dreamed of. Consider the fact that because of the prevalence of blogs and best-selling books, you've maybe thought more about your parenting. You've maybe fretted more about your children and done more to ensure their well-being than your parents ever did for you. Consider the fact that you have at your disposal access to more health and beauty products, more diet plans and exercise regimens than anyone else in human history, and yet, when it comes to our work and our net worth and our parenting resume and our physical appearance, no matter how much you do, it's never enough. Once you become convinced that rest can be found through work, you will become enslaved to that work. In fact, that's kind of a good barometer for us to consider this morning, to ask ourselves, am I looking for rest in something I do? Think of that thing that you so easily get caught up in, that you spend a lot of time working on, that you feel very passionate about. Ask yourself honestly, do I control it or does it control me? Do I own it or does it own me? That was one of the reasons why God gave that Sabbath law to his people in the first place. You heard about that in those verses from Deuteronomy that were read. It was given to God's people to to liberate them from slavery to their work. And God is saying, look, you know what slavery is like. You've been there. You know what it's like not to be in control of where you go and what you do and how you spend your time. But I brought you out of that slavery. I brought you out of Egypt. So don't turn around and put on yourselves a self-imposed slavery, a slavery to your work. So take a day of rest. Now, as we heard in the second reading from Colossians chapter 2, God doesn't have the same specific command for us. He hasn't told us Saturday's got to be the day, Saturday's the day of rest, but we would be foolish to think that it was any less important for us to repent of and reject our own self-imposed slavery to our work. Every single time you refuse to let your job creep into one more area of your life, every time you take a Sunday afternoon to just sit around and do absolutely nothing, every time you refuse to step on the bathroom scale when you walk by it, or every time you decide you're going to eat that food even though it has a few more calories than you want, every time you decide not to sign up your kids for one more class, one more camp, one more league, one more tournament, even though all the other parents are, every time you see your next-door neighbor's shiny new toy and deliberately decide not to go out and buy the same thing, You are standing up and declaring to the world, I am liberated from those things. I am not a slave to that work. I am not looking for rest there. But I suppose that raises another question, doesn't it? If we can't find rest in our work, where can we find it? Well, I mentioned that there were actually two reasons that God gave for giving his people this Sabbath day law, this commanded day of rest. One of them related to slavery. The other one related to creation. In Exodus chapter 20, when God gives the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, he points to the week of creation and he says, Just as I worked for six days and then rested on the seventh, so also you are to work for six days and then rest on the seventh. So what's the correlation between the two? Well, you read that account of creation and you quickly notice that after each day of work, God looks at what he has done and he calls it good. But what's interesting is at the end of the work week, on Friday afternoon, when the work week is about to be done and everyone's about to go home for the weekend, after six days of creating, God looks at everything that he has made and for the very first time, he calls it Very good. The ultimate stamp of approval. One from God Himself. And so, if that was in fact the case, if God's work was in fact very good, then what would God need to do next? There was only one thing He could do He rested. And so by giving his Old Testament people this Sabbath day law, God was not only trying to liberate them from slavery to their work, finding rest in their work, he was also pointing them to the place where they could find real and lasting rest. Rest that could be found only in him, in his stamp of approval on them. And so now fast forward and Jesus comes along and he declares himself the Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord of Rest. He's saying, I'm the one who can give you in fullest measure that rest that your soul so desperately craves. And what's interesting is that already in these verses we get just a little bit of a glimpse of how he's going to pull it off. There was a third instance in which the Pharisees' slavery to their work comes out, and probably the most intense and extreme of them all. Right at the very end, it says, Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Realize that that independent of this situation, the Pharisees and the Herodians would have been enemies. The Pharisees were all about national pride. They held very dearly to their Jewish traditions and customs, whereas the Herodians, they were sympathetic to the Roman rule and the influence of Roman and Greek culture that that brought with it. So polar opposite ends of the spectrum. This would sort of be like Donald Trump Trump running for re-election in 2020 and naming Hillary Clinton as his running mate for vice president. For two otherwise enemies to come together around a common cause, it obviously has to be something that is very, very important to those two sides. And for the Pharisees, their work, their obedience to God's law was so important that even enemies became friends. Well, now, how does this all turn out? What does their plotting lead to? Well, in almost perfect poetic symmetry to that first week of creation, It leads to the end of another work week. A Friday afternoon. Everyone's about to go home for the weekend. And the Son of Man hangs from a cross and says, it's finished. It's enough. Very good. And if that is in fact the case, then what else is there for the Son of Man to do on the very next day but rest? to take his own well-earned Sabbath until his Father in heaven would echo what the Son had said from the cross by raising him up from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. Talk about your ultimate stamp of approval, first delivered by God the Son on the cross and then echoed by God the Father on Easter Sunday morning. Now what does that have to do with you and me? Well, in Jesus, that perfect and complete rest That ultimate stamp of approval is God's free gift to us. I mentioned that song, Never Enough, from the movie, The Greatest Showman. If you're familiar with the movie at all, you know that that in the movie, that song was performed by a character named Jenny Lind, who was a famous opera singer back in the 19th century. That character, that role is played by an actress named Rebecca Ferguson. But it's interesting that as you watch the movie and you see Rebecca Ferguson singing that song from a stage in in what is truly a perfect and flawless voice, it's not her voice that you're hearing. As is the case in a lot of movies, there's another voice that's deemed to be a little bit better that is dubbed over the top. Kind of ironic that as she sings the words, never enough, Her voice, which is probably better than any of ours in the room, is is deemed to be not good enough. Another voice is needed. Another voice takes its place. Friends, that's exactly what you and I have in our Savior Jesus. The stamp of approval that he earned is God's free gift to us. The very good verdict that he declared from the cross and that the Father confirmed on Easter Sunday is now delivered and taught to us by God the Holy Spirit, we can look at every square inch of our lives and simply revel in that very same stamp of approval. It's finished. It's enough. It's very good. I don't know about you, but I need all of that kind of rest that I can get. And this is the place where we can find it. I've mentioned work and parenting and physical appearance and and wealth as areas where we sometimes look to work to find rest. I haven't mentioned religion yet. That was where the Pharisees were looking for their rest. They were turning religion into work. And without a doubt, Christians today can do the very same thing. We can turn our religion into work We can turn our church attendance into one more thing that we need to do, one more item that we need to check off. We can use our church attendance as an opportunity to criticize and look down our noses at other people, other people who don't dress as nicely as we do, who don't sing as loudly as we do, who don't sit as still as we do, and who obviously, therefore, don't love Jesus as much as we do. We can turn religion into work, but rest assured, that's not the intent. This is the place where Jesus wants us to find rest. Where we remember the day when the Holy Spirit took the name of Jesus at our baptismal font and placed it on us along with the divine stamp of approval that came with it. This is the place where God holds before us all of the promises that he has made in Scripture and holds before us the work of Jesus as their guarantee that they will all come true. This is the place where Jesus takes the very price that was enough to pay for our sins and he wraps it all up in, with, and under bread and wine and, and feeds our souls with it. This is 60 minutes of pure, unadulterated, full court press, volume turned all the way up, rest. God simply saying to us as loudly as he can, in as many ways as he can, no more work is needed. None. None. You don't need any more microseconds. You have been liberated by the Lord of rest. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.